Amen. Good morning. Yes, 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 yes. Let's give the Lord a round of applause this morning. Good morning. I want to welcome you. Welcome those who are gathering online with us. Again, you know, it's just an awesome thing when we can praise the Lord together. And I pray, you're, you know, as you're, as you're singing those songs, you're hearing those words, right? That we're proclaiming truth for what's already been done, the finished work of Christ. Amen. We're proclaiming what he's already done. And so it's an awesome thing when we can do that together. One of the things we're going to look at this morning in our series is the story of Daniel. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. And, and one of the things you see with this man's life is prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. There's like a consistent theme in his life. And it's challenged me to, to try to fix my mind early on praise, right? To, to wake up in the morning and to praise first. Like, see if you can do that. To praise the Lord for what's already been done. Not anything that can change that day or anything that can touch you. What's already been done. Praise the Lord for your salvation. Can I get an amen? Amen. He woke us up this morning. I'm saved. If I get hit by a bus, that stinks, but I'm going to be in the presence of Jesus, right? I mean, there's, there's truth there that we can proclaim. And so it's just an awesome thing that we can do it together. So however you got here this week, thank you for being here. And I've said it before, like it's not a coincidence. And I know the struggle. Like I tell my, I remember when I first went into ministry and my father would talk about the struggle of getting to the pulpit each Sunday. That Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's just like you guys. Like we're in our walk with the Lord, but man, there are hits, there are hits, there are hits. And so trying to get here corporately with a body of believers, that's a big deal. And you're here this morning. So God bless you. Let me just make one quick announcement. November 4th and 5th, we've got our men's retreat coming up. I missed this last year. I am celebrating my one-year anniversary tomorrow of dunking on Danny Gokey. And so... Tomorrow is my one-year anniversary of tearing my Achilles, which is quite interesting. Um, I'm playing a pickup game here at 5 if you want to join us. So November 4th and 5th, we've got our men's retreat, $50. This is a great event for our guys. Again, this is one of those places where if you're looking to connect, looking to build relationships, just talking to Dwayne backstage uh, before our 8 o'clock, and he was talking about how many new relationships he began just stepping out in faith and going to this men's retreat. So Friday night to a Saturday. And so we leave on Friday evening. We go kind of outside Emporia. It's about an hour and a half away. And then we come back Saturday in time to watch the football games. And so, so it's, it's really just an evening and a morning, but it's a great opportunity for our guys to connect. And so I challenge you, man, if you're looking for a place to build some relationships, you may not even know anyone. You will by the time you get through the weekend. It will be a great weekend. And so uh, November 4th and 5th for that. Take your Bibles, if you would, this morning. Turn with me to Daniel. One of the most exciting chapters of scripture, right? I mean, this is one of those, I was raised in the church, VBS, my pop-up book, my precious moments Bible, right? These are all the pictures here of Daniel, right? Daniel and the lion's den. And so what we have to do with all of these stories, just like Jonah and Noah and all these, like we kind of have to be careful because we have this perception of kind of what it is. And we have to make sure that we're allowing the scripture to lead us in what's really taking place in this wonderful chapter of scripture. So we've been in the series of Old Testament faith, right? Hebrews 11 is God's hall of faith where the author of Hebrews says it's always faith. You go back from the beginning, it's always been faith. Ephesians 2.8 has always applied, right? For by grace we are saved through but without grace, you can't get to faith. And so we talk about grace. What is grace? Grace is Jesus. Grace is God's mercy, right? Grace and now responding in faith. And it's always been that equation all the way through God's word. And every story that we've seen, we've seen that. But as we talk about faithfulness, really what we're talking about in all these stories is the faithfulness of God. Really what we're talking about in all these stories is how God is faithful to his people, whether we see it in the moment or not, that God is sovereign over every detail of our lives. 
It gives us great encouragement. Hebrews 11.1, 1, we've been looking at this verse each week. Faith is the substance. I love the New American Standard that says this. Faith is the certainty, is what it says. Faith is the certainty of things hoped for. This is not wishful thinking. This is setting our heart on what we know has to come true or he would cease to be God. So faith is the certainty of things hoped for. The evidence, that translation says, the proof of things not seen. And we've been looking at Hebrews 11.6 that says what? Without faith, it is, say it with me. Hear that this morning, right? There's no religious activity that's gonna bring glory to God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. And so I've said this each week, we stop there, that if you don't know Christ as your savior, it begins with a step of faith. Faith and repentance, two sides to the same coin, right? Repentance of sin, faith in a savior. Without faith, it's impossible to know him. But now in this relationship for us as believers, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to him must believe that he is who he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And then we've been looking at Romans 15, four very quickly that says, for whatever things were written before, as we go back to the Old Testament, were written for our benefit, were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of scripture. How many people in this world need patience? If you do it, say amen, amen. Be careful when you pray for patience. Can I just say that? God doesn't just zap you with patience. He gives you opportunities to display Patience. I've stopped playing, praying for patience. Through the patience and comfort of Scripture, we might have, say it with me, hope. Take your Bibles and stand with me if you would in reverence reading God's Word. Daniel chapter 6. We stand in reverence of this book because we don't believe this is an ordinary book. We believe this, this book is alive. It is active. It is sharper than a two-edged sword. If you believe it, say amen. 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 The story of Daniel. Many of you know this story. We're going to work through all the verses this morning. Do you believe me? I don't, Daniel chapter six. I'm just kidding, we're gonna get through all these verses because you gotta have the whole story. You can't really break this story up into, like you have to see the whole story. And first of all, we understand this is 70 years later. So all those pictures of Daniel as a young man in the lion's den, that's not what's happening there. He's about in his late 80s. Some even say early 90s when this is taking place. So he ain't running from no lion. But look at what it says here in Daniel six, verse 10. I think this is the key verse of the entire chapter. And then we're gonna work through this amazing chapter of scripture. So all, all, everything's, went down, everything's gone down. We'll talk about what that is. And then Daniel responds with what he knows to do. You wanna see consistency in the life of a man who seeks God? He just does what he knows to do. Verse 10 says this. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home and in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as was his custom since early days. Man, may it be said about us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, may it be said, Lord, that is our prayer. We, we, we're not perfect, we're broken vessels, but may it be said that we live a life that seeks you. A life that doesn't just try to white knuckle this thing and figure things out on our own, but a life that is yielded to your purpose and your plan. And we don't always understand that. And you don't ever tell us that we will. You don't promise that. You actually tell us the opposite, that your ways are higher. Your ways are much beyond what we can understand. And so Lord, in these seasons, give us patience, give us comfort in your scriptures, give us hope that whether we can see it or not to trust, to trust in a God who is over it all. Lord, I know I'm speaking to many in this room in chaos, probably going through some of the toughest times of their lives. I think about the last year of my life. Lord, give us patience, give us comfort, Give us hope as we seek you. 
you change hearts this morning. May it not just be a routine of coming to church, Lord. May we leave today different, seeing you through all the details of our lives. May the name of Jesus be lifted highest. In his name we pray and all God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. So trust, right? Trust is the issue. In any relationship, there has to be trust. In any marriage relationship, there has to be trust. And so I was explaining this to my nine-year-old son, who I caught in a lie the other day. And I told him, I'm like, bro, if you're gonna lie, you gotta get something out of it. Like, you just don't lie to not get any, like, if you're gonna lie, have a reason for lying. Is that bad parenting? That's probably bad parenting <laughs> to tell him that. But I was just so confused. Like, why lie over something that you don't gain anything from? Like, gain something from it. But no, I came back and I, you know, discipled him according to God's word. But at the same time, I'm like, bro, you know? So, so anyway, trust, trust. So what you find in all these stories, right? There's common denominators here, and I know there's twists and turns, but you find people who trust God. You find people who trust God beyond what they can see. You find people who trust God in the midst of something that they can't get through. We've talked about this before. God doesn't give you way more than you can handle. It's baloney. He gives you way more than you can handle. And so I guarantee you, there's many of you sitting here this morning that you are overwhelmed by life. Like it is bigger than you. And the enemy's quick to remind you of that. The enemy's quick to say, you're no match for this. And you know what? He's right. We're not. But we're walking in victory because of what Jesus has already done. Can I get an amen? So what we're doing is we're proclaiming what's already been done. We're not proclaiming truth in our lives, hoping that this will be done. It's already been done. And the enemy doesn't want us to know that. And so what you find in all these stories is trust, 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 that God is sovereign, that God is over even the chaos of our lives. Listen to these verses. Acts 17, 26 says this, the times of the nations are bound by the sovereignty of God. That means as you go back and you look at history, his story, his story, as you go back and you look at history, God is over it all. It doesn't matter who's the main kingdom of the day, whether you have the Hittites or the Egyptians or the Assyrians or the Babylonians or the Persians or eventually the Greeks or eventually the Romans, they all fall under the sovereignty of God. And God's plan for his people will remain regardless of what's happening in the changing culture. Daniel served under four kings, four different kings he served under, but he had consistent characteristics that ran through the entire thing. If you go back to Daniel 4, as he's interpreting dreams, he says this in verse 17, this decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence by the word of the Holy Ones. Listen to this, in order that the living may know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men. If you believe that, say amen. Let me tell you something, man, that's a critical starting point. If you're not starting from a point in, the, in, in your trust fully for God, you will never move in your walk with the Lord. You're always gonna be bound. You're always gonna be crippled. There's a trust that is required, right? We see it all throughout these stories where, you know, so many times we want to say, God, you show up and then I'll respond, but you don't find that in these stories. You find God, you find God saying, no, you show up, you show up, you take the step of faith and then watch what I will do. Title of the message this morning, A Man Among Lions. I remember that headline years ago, Calvin Johnson was a receiver for the Detroit Lions, some of my sports guys may know this, Detroit was never really good, but I remember seeing a headline that said, a man, a man among lions, but anyway, I thought it was catchy. Here we go, verse one. <laughs> so the context, right, Babylonia, it's just, it's been taken over. So chapter five, that king has died, a new regime has moved in. So now we're on the third set with Daniel and look at what happens here. Verse one, let's just work through this awesome chapter of scripture. It pleased Darius 
to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, so 120 governors to be of the whole kingdom. And over these now presidents or governors over the 120, Daniel being one of them, that the satraps might give an account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Hear this, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors in the set. Does it sound familiar from chapter one? Remember chapter one, right, where he takes the stand and he's like, okay, you can change my name, you can change my education, but you're not changing my faith. And the Bible says that even in that step of faith, that God continued to raise him up, continued to raise him up. And it says this, because of an excellent spirit, verse three, that was in him. And the king gave thought to the setting him over the whole realm. That phrase there, excellent spirit, you know what it speaks of? His attitude. It speaks of his attitude. It speaks of his perspective. It speaks of a young man at 15, 16 years old, taken from his home. Think about it, how easy it would have been to have a negative attitude. But it says, but there was a positive attitude, an excellent spirit within him. What you find about Daniel, I think is so amazing, is through this whole story, you never find him fighting for his rights. Like even in this story here, like he never responds. He never goes before the king and be like, hey, they're against me. This is, you know, this is something that they stirred up. He doesn't do that. He leaves it in the hands of God. And that challenges me. He's still, and he leaves it in the hands of God. Notice this. Verse four, so the governor sought to find charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. That word charge can also be translated corruption. So here's a dude, 90 years old, right? 90 years old, and they go back in his life and they're like, we can't find anything. There's no skeletons in the closet here. And so you think about this, how amazing is this? The one thing that they find against him is his relationship with God. The one thing that they say we can use against him is how committed he is in his relationship with God. Look at this in verse five. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors throng before the king. Now here's this picture, right, of all these dudes coming before the king. That phrase thronged means like it, was this, it wasn't a set meeting. They all just kind of bum rushed the king is kind of this picture here. Kind of caught them off guard. Said to him, King Darius, live forever. You find these formalities, which I think is interesting. Even when Daniel is alive the next morning, that's the first words instead of, yo, I just survived all these lines. But he says, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps and counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree. Hear this, that whoever petitions any lowercase g God, our man for 30 days, except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions. So you see what they're doing here, they're plotting. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Meds and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. We talked about this with Esther. Like once the decree is signed, you can't go back. They knew that. That once the ring, right, once the signet ring, like it is established, there is no pulling back from this decree. And so they go to him, this is a bunch of haters, is what the drinking haterade is what they're doing, right? They're looking at Daniel and they're like, yo, he's being raised up. God's got his, we got to get rid of this guy, but we can't find anything against him. There's no dirt there. What do we do? Let's attack his relationship with God. You want to speak of the character of this man? The one thing that they could find against him was his commitment to God? Like, what a testimony. Like what, what if they searched our lives and said, you know, we can't really find any dirt. There's no skeletons. Hey, they've got a past, but really their main issue is their relationship with the Lord. Wow. So they use that against him. Bunch of haters. Look at what happens here. 
And the king, when he heard these, and I'm sorry, verse, where are we at? Verse 10. Now here, here's the key to it all. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. Do you see that? You want to talk about trusting God? He doesn't go running to the king and saying, hey, you've messed up, bro. I'm getting ready to get cast in the lines and I'm the, I'm the most loyal to you than any of these guys. He doesn't fight for his rights. He is still and he trusts in his God. Watch this. He just does what he knows to do. Chaos comes, a storm comes. He just does what he knows to do. I remember a pastor saying that to me one time, right? That when you're faced with tragedy, do what you know to do. Your discipline's in the Lord. Your prayer, he knew what to do. This wasn't the first time he did this, right? This was the pattern of his life, as verse 10 says. This wasn't something that he just ran to God and said, now God, I need you. Now God, I need help. No, no, no. He had been in communion with the Lord for many years. This was his regular pattern, his consistency. So he prayed and he gave thanks. I think that is so key. I don't know about you, but to me, to my joy is my praise. My joy is linked to my praise. My peace is linked to my praise. I'm just gonna tell you that, right? When I wake up in the morning, right? And if I'm like Daniel, maybe facing something, maybe not a den of lions, but I'm facing struggles in my life. I have a tendency, right, to look in. I have a tendency to go, man, how do I get through that? Rather than just pausing and saying, let me acknowledge you, God, first, before I even see this stuff. Because if I look through this stuff first and I'm seeing you through the lens of what I don't understand. But if I can flip that and say, Lord, no, that was a high voice right there, my bad. If I can flip that and say truth, I'm gonna seek truth and I'm gonna praise you. Remember the song, I'm gonna praise you in this storm. There's some of you in a storm this morning, I challenge you, watch what will happen to your joy, watch what will happen to your peace when you praise him for the things that are already fixed. I don't care what you're going through. If, you're going, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he is worthy to be praised. Can I get an amen? Like you can just be in the darkness, just keep praising Jesus. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. One day I'll be in a place with no more tears, no more suffering, no more shame. Lord, lift my eyes off of these things, put my eyes on truth because there's joy, there's peace there, knowing that the living God is sitting on his throne. I keep pointing up there like he's there. So my bad guys, he's not up there. I see y'all looking around for God on his throne, but I have a picture of him high up on his throne. It's not y'all, but that, okay, here we go. <laughs> Verse 11, then these men assembled and found Daniel praying. Of course they did and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. The king, they played into this man's pride, right, right? Okay, he's a prideful king. Let's cast this decree that no one worship any gods except you, O king. Only you are worthy to be praised. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's de decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast in the den of lions? So they answered and said before the king that Daniel, notice this, who is one of the captives from Judah. Like they're still slinging dirt at this dude. Like he's the best of them all. And yet they say, oh yeah, he, he's one of those rejects from Judah. Don't forget king. He's not one of us, he was brought here. He's the walk-on. Look at what it says here. Does not show due regard for you, O king, or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Bunch of haters. Verse 14, and the king, when he heard these words, notice this, was greatly displeased with himself. He recognized that he was the one responsible for this. I find that very interesting here. And he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. So I find that very interesting. I find it interesting, the relationship 
between Daniel and this king, how exposed was this king to Daniel's walk with the Lord? It had to be because we see how he responded in the story. So there had to be a witness. There's a testimony here to Daniel's life or he wouldn't respond this way. He has seen the consistency in Daniel's life. He's seen the faithfulness in his life. He has seen that and he recognizes what he's done. So he set his heart to deliver Daniel and he labored till going down the sun to deliver him. So again, once the decree is passed, you can't take it back. So this is a picture of a king trying to find loopholes. This is the picture of a king going, "Uh uh-oh, I made a mistake. Let's figure out how to save this guy, Daniel. But it doesn't go that way. Look at what happens in verse 15. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, no, O king, that is the law, that no decree or statute with the king establishes may be changed. Verse 16, here it is. Then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and they cast him into a den of lions. Now here's the picture, right? It was probably some kind of cave, right? They talk about a stone. And so there's probably a side entrance to a cave where they would somehow remove it. The animals would go into this cave, but there was something on top. So it's this picture of like looking down into it, like this great and, and seeing you know, the, the animals down there. So that's kind of the picture of what's happening here because when they bring Daniel out, they bring him up from the lion's den. So I believe there's something there that is lift, sending them down and something that is lifting them up. So it's a little bit of an interesting picture here. So the king gave the command, verse 16, brought Daniel, cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, hear this, your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Like these were real lions, you understand it. Like these weren't fake lions. They weren't, uh, uh, you know, weak lions. These were real animals because we see at the end of the story, they wear everybody out. They eat everybody. We're gonna get there. It's like the scene of a movie. We're gonna get there. What do you call a lion with a fancy hat? A dandelion, like a fancy hat? Oh, I've got a ton. What do you call a lion who's his barber? His main man, that's a good one, yeah. Here's the last one, this is kind of bad. Uh, I heard about a guy who said he's got the heart of a lion and the eye of a tiger and a lifetime ban from the zoo. All right, here, let's keep going. That's gross and I'm sorry for that. Verse 17, these were real lions. Picture this, these were real lions. You ever been to the zoo? These were real lions. Remember the first time we went to Africa, we were making the trip from Johannesburg to Lesotho, which is about a, what, six hour drive just to get to the border. And the first time I went, Jim Floor was like, you wanna see a lion? Sure, far away, like through a glass. And he's like, well, let's just pull over here. We pulled over here and there was this big, huge field and there was a lion sitting on this little mound and a little fence, little wire fence. I'm like, bro, I can see that lion from the car. And I stayed in the car and looked at that lion. Picture this scene, this is not some fairy tale. And this is the danger of these stories with Jonah and Noah and Moses. The danger is to put it in this category. Oh, that didn't, this happened. And this dude is in the den filled with lions and he still had his trust in the Lord. And the ripple effect to this king and others, you're gonna see because our faith has a ripple effect. When you're walking in the Lord, there's a ripple effect. And we're never idle in our walk with the Lord. Understand that, right? There's a natural drift in all of us. Our flesh is a drift. The, 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 the world that we live in is a drift. And so we gotta fight upstream in our walk with the Lord. And understand if you're, you're never idle, you're either taking steps forward or there's a natural drift. And so we see this, this man taking steps his whole life and his trust in the Lord. Look at this, verse 17. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his ring 
with the signets of his Lord that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. He knew that he couldn't change the decree. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him, poor guy. Daniel's in the lion's den, but he, he don't feel well enough to have people play music in front of him. Poor guy. I think it's interesting here that the scene shifts to the palace, right? You throw a guy in the lion's den. If I'm watching a movie, you throw a guy in the lion's den and then you go to the palace. No, let's see what happens in the lion's den. But he shifts to the palace and you find this king stirring. You ever been in your quiet moments stirring? You ever been in your quiet moments alone with the Lord and you're trying to downplay the stirring of the Holy Spirit? I know I've been there. I know I've sat out there and the Lord is just stirring, stirring, stirring. You're going, no, this is uncomfortable. This is, this is taking me out of my comfort zone. He's stirring. His sleep went from him. Verse 19, then the king arose early in the morning went in haste to the den of lions. When he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. Listen to what he said. The king spoke saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. A testimony to this king, the servant of the living God has your God whom you serve. I love that continually. Can that be said about us? Our relationship is continual. It's not a Sunday morning deal. It's a Monday, it's a Tuesday, it's a Wednesday. He saw that in Daniel. Been able to deliver you from the lions. Look at verse 21. Then Daniel said to the king, I think this is interesting. Oh, king live forever. Let's drop the formalities, right? You just slept in a den of lions, just talked to the bro. He's the reason why you're in there. My God sent his angel, hear that, and shut the lion's mouth. He not only had to shut the lion's mouth, he had to do something with the claws, right? Let's be real. You can shut the mouth of a lion. They can still do damage. And so there's miracles here that's happening. You go through the Bible, there's a, there's a story in the Old Testament where an angel killed 185,000 Assyrians. And so there's power here. This angel comes into this den, closes the mouth of the lions, not only closes the mouth of the lions, had to do something to keep them from attacking Daniel. Oh, Daniel, oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel, shut the lions mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before you. And also a king, I've done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up. See that picture, brings him up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him because he believed in his God. Now you have to take this passage and you can't take it out of context and say, well, God will just always deliver you. Paul was beheaded for his faith. Peter crucified upside down for his faith. Isaiah, you know how Isaiah died? Sawed in two for his faith. So this is not a story of, hey, every time you're in danger, God just delivers. We have people who've lost their lives over the years because of their faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. And there were all individual stories that God was writing in those lives. And our, and our lives are unique to us. The story is unique to us. This story was unique to Daniel that God in his sovereignty decided to save him. And now the ripple effect. Look at this, verse 24, there's always a ripple effect. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who had accused Daniel and they cast them into the lion's den. Does it sound, does it sound like Haman a little bit? You know what I'm talking about with Esther? Like Haman's plotting, he's plotting, he's plotting. He builds his little device there in his shop. He brings his device and he is put to death by the device that he killed. So these men came up with a den of lions. Hey, hey, we can get this guy, we can throw. And the same thing that they used to plot against Daniel is what God uses to destroy them. And they cast them in the den of lions, their children and their wives. I'd been mad at my dad if he had done that. And the lions overpowered them. 
broke all their bones. So these were not sleepy, weak lions. These were the same lions. Broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Hear this. Peace be multiplied to you. I now make a new decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Now hear these attributes because they are the same today. For he is the, say it with me. He is not dead. He is not absent. He is the living God, steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one that shall not be destroyed. His dominion shall endure to thee. Say it with me. End. Hear this. He delivers and he delivers and do you need to be delivered this morning? Do you need to be rescued this morning? Are you in a situation where you're flailing? You don't jump in and save someone until they give up their rights, until they surrender. That's when they're in a position to be saved. That's when they're in a position to be delivered and rescued, when they're done trying to fight it themselves. And I don't know about you, there's been seasons where I get tired and weary because I'm fighting it myself. And the Lord is saying, I'm not calling you to do that. I'm calling you to be still, to sit. Do what you know to do. Seek ye first. And then all these things. One of the passages, man, that the Lord has just ministered in my heart, even as I think of Daniel, is Psalm 46. Write that down. If you've never read that chapter, I'm going to read it to you this morning. Go back this week. You want some reading every day, just read Psalm 46, right? It's only 11 verses of Scripture. Hear these words. God is our refuge and our strength a very present help in trouble, a very present help in trouble. Do you hear that? He's present in this moment. The enemy's telling you he's far off. He's not. He's one step away. But he waits on us to display faith. He waits on us to take the step further. He is not a God that says, hey, I'm going to show you all these signs and now you're, it wouldn't require much faith. You take the step. He is our refuge. He is our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Fear is gone when that's your starting point. Fear is gone when you know that God is sovereign. He's my refuge. He's my strength. Therefore, therefore, I will not fear. And then he goes into what? Though the earth be removed, the mountains be carried into the sea, though the waters roar in trouble, though the mountains shake with the swelling, there is a river. Hear this. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. Hear this this morning. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Hear this this morning. Come, behold the works of the Lord. Captivated, but now yielding to be changed. Come and behold the works of the Lord. What desolations he has made in the earth. He makes war to cease until the end of the earth. He's over all that. He breaketh the bow. He cutteth the spear. He burns the chariot. Hear this, verse 10, Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. I think it's one of the hardest things for us to do. To just pause and say, Lord, I'm going to praise you first here. I'm going to praise you first. Before I get to my list, I'm going to praise you first. Before I tell you all the things you need to do in my wife and my husband, I'm going to praise you first. Before I give you the advice of what you should do in my life, I'm going to praise you first. I'm just going to be still. Let me acknowledge Hebrews 11, for who you are, 
what you've promised to do, whether I see it or not. Let me tell you something, man, it's a real thing when God puts you down. And there's some of you in here where God has put you down. I know what that means. Where God says, nah, you're gonna sit here for a little while. And you can get restless and doubt and fear can creep in and these promises can be placed on the back of the view. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the heathen. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. In summary, let me just ask this question. What was it about Daniel? Like what stands out about Daniel? There's a couple of things, let me say this. Number one, his consistency. From an early age all the way through, the Bible makes it clear that there were disciplines in this man's life that he did not compromise. Regardless of the changing circumstances, there was something that was fixed in his life and that was his walk with the Lord. That he was gonna pray, I don't care what y'all say. I'm gonna read scripture, I don't care what y'all say. I'm gonna do what I know to do. I may not know what to do here, that's okay. God will reveal it in his timing, but here I know what to do. I know to keep my head before the Lord. I know to keep my eyes on truth. I'm gonna do what I know to do. He was consistent. His attitude. This has been a challenge for me because when you're looking through the lens and it's your stuff first and then the Lord, it changes your attitude. But when you can see the Lord first and allow everything else to find its proper place, there's your joy, there's your peace, there's your attitude, his integrity. I wanna talk about a man of integrity who refused to compromise the things that he knew were the convictions of his life, his trust. Let me just say that. This has challenged me. How many times I've sat behind the scenes in my quiet moments trying to figure things out. When God is saying, I'm not asking you to figure things out. I'm not asking for your mind to be on those things. Put your mind on me and watch how I will do it. But as you look at this story, let me ask you the question, where does the glory go? I think sometimes we can fall into this trap where it's Daniel, Daniel, and it is. What an amazing man of God. But the glory is for the Lord in this chapter of scripture. Daniel responded to what God did, but the praise is not Daniel, the praise is God. The praise is his promises and his faithfulness. And it's always Jesus. That's what's amazing about this. If you ask me the question, hey, what is this book about? I'll just say Jesus. What's Leviticus about? I told Tristan, if you're asked a question in a large group or Bible, just say Jesus. You're not gonna be that far off, all right? Just say Jesus. What is the book of Daniel about? Jesus. Do you see the similarities here? I mean, let's just look at some of, some of the pictures of Jesus, right? The leaders coming against him, Pharisees, scribes, they coming with a, with a false account. They don't have anything to bring against them. Do you see Jesus? They don't have anything to bring against them, but he's broken our law. You see a king responding, right? Here's the king trying to, Darius unsuccessfully trying to intervene. Think about Pilate in the story of Jesus unsuccessfully kind of intervening. You think about how Daniel trusted the Lord in the place where he thought he was gonna die. In a den of lions, Jesus in a grave. But the next morning, you see the king running, asking Daniel, are you okay? Do you see the picture? The ladies running to the tomb and seeing that the stone had been rolled away. Not only did Daniel live through this, our Savior on that third day arose from the grave. Can I get an amen? Placed in a den, conquering it all. 
And think about how the Bible talks about the hope how this king makes this proclamation. It's amazing that this man would have that much power that he makes a proclamation that says, hey, now we're gonna serve his king. We're gonna serve his God. The ripple effect, hope the Bible speaks of. What do we find in Jesus? Hope for our people. Can I get an amen? Amen. These things were written for us, comfort, patience, but for hope, hope in the moment that my God is a very present help in this moment, that he sees me, that he knows me, that he's sovereign over it. And all he's asking me to do is trust him. He's not asking me to figure it out. He's not asking me to to go fix the situation. He's asking me to do what I know to do and that's put my face down and trust him. To give up my rights, to yield and watch how he will be glorified. And he'll do things in a way that you have never thought of. Has that ever happened to you before? Well, you look at something and you go, well, that's amazing. In all my time in the shower trying to figure this out, I never thought of that, Lord. And yet you just did it. And I wasted a lot of time sitting in a rocking chair, spending a lot of time and energy, but going nowhere. Thinking I'm gonna get across the street. Guess where I'm still sitting? In my rocking chair. So Lord, I'm gonna be still. I'm gonna do like Daniel did in verse 10. I'm gonna do what I know to do. I'm going to wait on you to show up. And when you do, I'll be quick to glorify your name. With every head bowed and every eye closed. What a picture of Jesus in the story of Daniel. Placed in a den, Jesus in a grave, but conquering it all. Without faith, hear me, it is impossible to please him. Without faith, every one of us in here, if you know the Lord, you're in a journey of sanctification. If you know the Lord, you're in a journey of holiness is what it is, where the Holy Spirit in our lives reveals the things that, uh uh-uh, this shouldn't be here. And yet that battle rages within. The trust of this man in chaos to say, Lord, I'm gonna do what I know to do regardless of what's happening around me, regardless of the changing seasons, different kings, different empires, I'm gonna do what I know to do I'm going to seek you, and I'm going to wait on you. I know there's many of you in this place this morning, the sound of my voice, you're in a storm. I know that. Some of you specifically, I know. And the enemy lies in those storms. And if your eyes are not on truth, and if you're not seeking truth, the renewing of the mind, those lies have a tendency to stick, and it will cripple you. And the lens you will look through is your stuff, and God will be in the back. We gotta flip that around and say, Lord, I seek you first. I seek truth first. May we see it all through the lens of a God who is sovereign. Our heavenly father, we come before you. We thank you this morning for your word. We thank you that these things were written for our benefit, for our learning, comfort and peace. Lord, we need that in this journey. The ups and downs of life, the struggles of life, the storms, we need patience. We need peace, we need comfort, but we know that it's all found in the hope of our Savior and what he's already done. So Lord, give us perseverance, give us strength. May it be said for us as we get older that, hey, that's the pattern of their lives. They've always sought the Lord. And what a testimony. What a testimony to a world. May they see you in us, in the way that we speak, in the way that we respond, in the way that we live. 
May that ripple effect be seen as we walk with you each day. Lord, I pray if there's one here today who has never taken that initial step of faith of proclaiming Jesus as Savior, I recognize how scary that is, all the unknowns, but I pray you give them courage, that stirring of their heart. I pray you give them courage to just simply cry out in this quiet moment, Lord Jesus, I believe in you. I put my faith in you. I ask you to be the king of my life. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for those in this journey every day, Lord, again, may we see you in the details, that you are a God that is present, very present in our lives. And you have promised to reveal yourself as we seek you. And so, Lord, I pray for each person in this room, in their own journey, and in their own family, may that ripple effect flow our faith in you. And may people see that we are different, that we're living for something more than just the now. Lord, we pray this week, as we leave this place, we would be a testimony, understanding that we impact the kingdom where you have us. And so Lord, lead us and guide us as we go. We pray, we ask in the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen.